Today's episode of Birds All Day is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here talking in and around your Toronto Blue Jays. It is nearly the end of April. Still no baseball. But it's for the best. Stay home. That's it. That's the show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming in. Uh, No, I don't know. We'll talk about something. Actually, I'm excited. I'm excited for two reasons. I'm excited for for the first reason I'm excited is because I'm, I'm joined today by the man who joins me as always. Uh, old reliable, old reliable, Mister Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm excited too. I'm excited. I, I trust you're well. I trust you're you're staying home. You're uh, you're doing all the things that they that are required that is incumbent upon us to um, uh, what's the word? Not kill thousands of people. That's what it. That's what it is. That's yeah. why we're doing all this. That's why. Yeah, you know, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a social guy. It turns out uh, in normal times, mm-hmm. I've been I've been extremely well behaved. I you know I'm. I think I was out of my house last week. I've got a bit of a rear window setup going on that I've been enjoying. <laughs> I don't normally, I don't really have a chair by a window where my air conditioner usually goes in the living room, and uh, mm-hmm. I've decided why don't I just drag a chair over there and then sit and watch the neighborhood cats, which uh, has proven delightful. <laughs> I um, I am doing okay for the most part. I was. At the first, I don't know, fuck, month, I was doing a lot better in terms of, like, my diet uh, and my, like, trying to be, trying to do more exercising. Um, and I, it's faded. It's fading. The diet is getting slowly worse and the exercise is getting slowly none. Um, it's not good. And I, I never thought, I never thought I would be like, man, I really want to go to the gym. But uh, you know what? I would really like to go to the gym uh, a lot. I don't have any, like, exercise equipment in my house and now you can't buy it online. I have and 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 uh, unfortunately, my the the workout equipment that I did have, uh, I had to open that box of cat litter, so I don't have the weight <laughs> to do chest presses and like and like back lifts and yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, we've lost uh, our center a bit, right? I mean, you you know the just time has lost all meaning. I find like I wake well, up and then it's three o'clock, and I've you know I, <laughs> well. I, I do, you know, I putter around before then, but then it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know, like what what is the work day and what is the like sit around the house day is just there's no definition between one. They blend into each other. So I'm just I, sitting at my at my at my chair by the window, mm-hmm. tapping away at my at my work, and then you know it's it's actually kind of similar than what, to what it was like before, <laughs> uh, but I can't go to the bar, which is really a frustration. <laughs> Well, uh, and that it turns out was my center, which I've lost. I guess as well. I I get up and like immediately start working because I sleep in as late as I can before like whatever is my first meeting or until the emails just start to p- pile up to the point that I'm like okay, like I'm like uh, I'm like uh, what's his name like Josh Brolin's character in, in No Country for Old Men where I'm like all right I'm up when I get up to go and get the bag of murder money that I left out in the desert. <laughs> um, that's me waiting as the emails. I was like, I hear my phone, like just repeat it, like started vibrating more and more and more. And then I immediately start working. And then I, I'm actually doing pretty well. Oh, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably doing too well because we, I have like a couple of days a week. We have like a four o'clock or sometime in the afternoon, like a call with a bunch of colleagues as like a, just catching up and touching base. And even though I'll still have work to do, I'm just like, well, that's the end of my day. And then I just like wander away from the computer. Even though I'm, I've like got half written emails and all this kind of stuff sitting on my computer. So that's probably revealing a little bit too much. Uh, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a similar thing today, actually. Uh, we're recording here on Thursday, as we usually do. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a little conference call, as everybody does. It's, I don't know if it was on Zoom, but it was those, you know, one of those t- kinds of things. Uh, I'm not a big calendar guy, as I think people probably would be able to guess. Uh <laughs> 
And so I I completely missed it, or I missed the first 15 minutes of it. Uh, except that I was it, I was doing absolutely nothing to untoward. Uh, I was making a damn sandwich. I was just in the kitchen and left my phone and computer in the office, and then come back and I'm just like, oh shit! Uh, oh, now I'm now it's like now it's like the old times where I'm stumbling into the conference call. Uh, instead, it was just I, I was making you know putting a little avocado on uh, on some on some bread with some cheese and whatnot. Uh, different times, different times. I don't really understand anything anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that also I did not have the same reaction as you. I very much uh, uh, continued to work and continue to work. It's just, it's I, it's like I'm constantly working and constantly not working is kind of how my time has been, uh, has been split up. I, I am... I am learning the value of a quality ergonomic workstation. That's what I'm learning. Which my, uh, which I, I think we've probably spoken about before. Uh, you are don't buy into any of that baloney. Where no, I certainly not feel yeah. like I'm a thousand years old. Like I have, I, I feel like Bo Jackson. Like I've got two fake hips from sitting in like a hard wooden chair that is not ergonomically correct. I try to sit correctly, but I'm just uh, just feeling a little creaky. You know what I mean? A little creaky. It's just not. Uh, not what you want. You want your you want your bones to adapt to the to the surfaces. You want not your the bones to adapt. Yeah. You want your muscles to atrophy. You <laughs> want it all to happen all at once. Speaking of all of it happening all at once, even though there's no even though there's no sports, there's no life things that happen beyond our doors for the most part. People who wrote books over the winter have had them released, and I think that is with that in mind, we should talk to your colleague, our colleague. The Athletics senior baseball writer, Keith Law. I think that's a great idea. Uh, full I disclosure. Agree. I, I agree that that's a great th- idea. This is the second time we've talked to him in like six weeks, uh, except the first time it was lost to the mystery of the internet. Uh, due to a, a variety of factors, it was a great chat. But it's fine because we got him today. We had a, a really awesome discussion with him. He was uh, – I. I we threw some uh, random questions at him, kind of out of left field, which he uh, he answered ably because he's very uh, smart and he did a ton of research for this book, and it sounds super super interesting. So why don't we do that? But before, well, actually, before I'm going to say that I was going. This is me doing the transition. Before I do that, I want to remind everyone. I don't. I don't think I did this last week. That Birds All Day is mercifully outside of the paywall this year, free for anyone to download, sign up. Uh, uh, Subscribe to the podcast. You can do it wherever you get your podcasts. If it's on Apple Podcasts, if it's on Spotify, if it's on Stitcher, if it's on Overcast, do it. Sign up. Give us a rating and a review. But be nice if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, we're really thankful. And, of course, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you can do that as well. The amount and the creativity of of some of the, the stuff that we're seeing come out of people right now is truly, truly inspiring. So go to theathletic.com slash birds all day. You'll get a 40% discount on your annual subscription. So do that. Subscribe to the podcast. Read the things that Stoughton writes. And then what I need you to do is sit tight. We'll come back. We'll talk to Keith Law on this edition of Birds All Day. All right. As mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by uh, a guy who's got uh, the introduction is going to take me a little while. Uh, he is a senior baseball writer for the Athletic. He is the author of the Inside Game: Bad Call, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. He is a prospect guru. He is a bon vivant. I think is probably a, a fair way to describe him. Although I probably mis- mispronounce that. Keith Law joins us today on Birds All Day. Keith, thank you so much <laughs> for making the time. It means good living, right? In in your French language, there. I guess it does. I guess it okay, does. Okay, then that's perfect. Absolutely. Yes. You definitely seem like a person who is uh, who is living and and productive, prolific, if nothing else. If nothing else. Trying to be. I have not learned a new language or a third instrument to play or anything since quarantine started. So I don't know. I think I feel like I'm behind the curve a little bit, but I am still alive um, and sleeping and I have fulfilled my obligations to my primary employer. So I would consider that a flawless victory. You can't, you could do worse. I, I was doing the same thing. I keep threatening to like take the time 
and do some language study online. I went, I looked up a bunch of sources, but it turns out that my job has not slowed down. If anything, it has increased significantly. So I don't right. have and it's good. I mean, we're, if we're still employed, we cannot complain. So still employed, I mean, right? Still healthy. Everyone in my house is, is, is employed and healthy. Those who are eligible for employment. Um, so I can, I, we, I cannot and will not complain, but Hey, you know, maybe some online Korean lessons would be nice to make some time, yeah. but, but there'll always be time for that. Eventually, uh, in the eventually. in the time frame known as eventually. So, baseball. There's no baseball yet. No baseball is happening in, in, here in North America at, at any length. Uh, at the, I don't know if I want to say at the risk of being ghoulish, but do you, I, I want to think about this from a baseball perspective? There's a lot of people. Uh, you know, you t- you write so much about prospects, about the draft, about uh, you know developing players. Does the, having this much downtime or time, you know, at home in the gym, is this going to something that's going to call kind of all equal out? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask, I guess, is like, what is this going to mean for for the young players who should be getting crucial reps in the low minor leagues right now, but for obvious reasons, they're not. Yeah, it's a good open question, right? We don't know the answer. I can mm-hmm. obviously you have me on because you want my opinion, and it's truly just my opinion, just speculation. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt a lot of players, I think, and there isn't a good answer to this. Um, I mean, first, at a general level, the idea that and fans have asked me, there's readers have asked me this. Well, can't you just move everybody up next year? I mean, you you sort of can. That's very like American public school. Like we just promote everybody because they're a year older, right? That's not mm-hmm. – we're not doing the social promotion thing here because these players actually need to get better. They are there to learn things. You go to double A to face a better caliber of competition than you've ever faced before and potentially get better so that you're ready for the next step, whether that would be triple A or whether it would be straight to the majors. These players are missing that opportunity and missing all of those repetitions. We always talk about players needing at-bats or needing reps – they don't get those this year. I think that's actually really quite significant. It does not hurt every player equally. It does not affect every organization equally. There are probably some players who will basically be just fine if they have to miss essentially an entire year of repetitions. But I also wonder if there are things that Major League Baseball can do, and a lot of this depends obviously on the public health situation, but what if they expanded the Arizona Fall League? What if things are in a good enough situation that they can have an Arizona Fall League? They Mm -hmm. expand it. They lengthen it. It becomes essentially a replacement for a lot of minor league players to go out there and get some repetitions, Um, which may be complicated by the fact they might actually be playing major league games out in those stadiums at the same time too. So keep that in mind. But there are workarounds, but no, nothing is an actual solution. And I think there are many, many players whose careers will be slowed. I don't know that there will be a lot of players who careers, whose careers are derailed, but a lot of players who, whose progress towards the majors will be slowed by the fact that they're not getting the year of repetitions at a certain level at this age, right? Everyone gets a year older, but they don't get that level, that year at AA that they were supposed to get. I guess the other side of that is like the fitness question where i mean uh, when we're talking about young players and and and, uh, and prospects these are very young and, and presumably very fit um, athletes who have spent their better part of their young lives you know be exercising and working <laughs> to achieve that kind of fitness but i wonder and i don't ask this as a, as a fan of the blue jays or as someone who covers the blue jays in any way shape or form but i wonder <laughs> about the implicate the fitness implications of having everybody being uh, idle in as many ways now obviously i, I feel like or maybe you know, I, I get. I, I'm asking you this out of the blue. I put you on the spot a little bit, but like, I wonder how much uh, input teams are having into the fitness and the fitness regime of these young players who are, in a lot of ways, left to their own devices. My understanding, I, I freely admit, I've not talked to a ton of people about this particular topic, but it's just come up a little bit tangentially in some other conversations. Mm-hmm. They're talking to players, obviously teams, and I mean. What the heck else do we have to do except get on Zoom calls, right? We're, right. The teams are talking to their players. What are you doing? Here's how's your progress. I mean, frankly, I'd, if I were in a if I were a farm director or player development director, I'd be checking in. Just how are you feeling mentally? It's got to be kind of really depressing. I'm supposed to be out playing baseball right now, advancing my career, progressing towards the majors. No, I'm home, and I don't know when I'm going to get to the big leagues. And oh, by the way, like direction of the country seems to be kind of terrible right now. So I can see a lot of um, a lot of those conversations not going particularly well. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a front office, you 
at least are checking in with players and trying to get them to do as much conditioning work as they possibly can. There's really no substitute for facing live pitching or even even for having, you know, say the uh, live batting practice or sim games that you might see in spring training on the side. Like those things just can't, there's nothing you could do that just can't happen. And I don't think there's really any good alternative to that. And you can monitor what players are doing. Really, you're just hoping they don't maybe stay home and get out of shape necessarily and dangle in front of them the possibility, hey, we could be reporting to a delayed spring training at any time. We might only have a couple weeks notice, but ultimately you're relying on the work ethic of the players themselves. And <laughs> the best you can do is, like I said, monitor, check in, maybe get them on a Zoom call, make sure they don't look substantially different than they did the last time you saw them. Ultimately, you're at you're kind of at their mercy, though. I guess maybe they're... You could say this will show you who really has the best work ethic, but honestly, if somebody just wanted to be really lazy right now, I wouldn't blame them. I don't leave the house a whole lot. I mean, I'm not supposed to, but like we took a walk yesterday for Earth Day because uh, one of the kids had to do something for like an Earth Day assignment for school. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be outside. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way. We try to get out for like a, for a walk every day when the weather agrees. But uh, even that, I mean, uh, I am not, I'm surely not in the midst of uh, of training for a <laughs> long and hopefully lucrative baseball career. I'm just trying not to, you know, keel over in my bed at uh, right. 41 years old. Um, I, I keep, I am thinking about, I wonder if this, um, this is going to maybe even extend the, the, the gap between the bonus babies and the folks who a come from money and b have more money because I'm sure somebody at home right now has got one of those, those light. Uh, in uh, reaction time trainers and they're working out with that thing every day because they got nothing else to do and they're going to be able to like see pitches before they've been released and like stop time with their minds and stuff like that where other guys are certain <laughs> like i gotta get a job or something before this is all over well that's also a thing right like i mean i understand major league baseball is trying to do something for minor league players at this point it's probably not enough but also major league baseball has other people they are responsible for right? they're paying most teams many teams at least are committing to pay all, at least pay all baseball operations employees through May 31st. The Padres committed to pay them through all season. As much as I would love to say they should pay everybody for the entire season, all the money. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably not feasible. Teams don't necessarily have that much cash on hand. Baseball is an extremely profitable business. Doesn't mean they have cash lying around necessarily when there's no cash flow coming in. That that makes this a bit of an extraordinary situation. So, um, you know, if minor leaguers were I'm sure there are a lot of minor league players who are strapped for cash right now and very, very stressed about their financial situations. I could completely understand that. And if that means some players end up walking away from baseball permanently, it's terrible, right? It sucks. But I would also totally understand that. This may drive people to do that because their financial situation becomes such that they have to just do something else, commit to doing something else that's more lucrative or more stable if Major League Baseball can't commit to paying minor league players for the entire season. And but and by the way, I am right now, based on everything I've heard from public health experts, uh, I don't think we're going to see minor league baseball this year. And that it's a little more complicated than that because the professional agreement doesn't mean doesn't allow major league baseball to just sort of hand wave away minor league baseball. But mm -hmm. just as a practical matter, they're not going to have fans at minor league games. We're not going to have fans at major league games. If you don't have fans at minor league games, a lot of minor league teams are going to lose a serious amount of money. And so it may not be worth it to them to put the lights on at all. So mm -hmm. if there's no minor league baseball this year, the minor league players don't get paid. The end result could be we lose some decent players to other things, other careers. And there are structural reasons for that, but I'm not going to blame a single player who chooses to walk away at this point because, uh, because major league baseball wasn't able to take care of them. And of course, from their past minor league salaries, they weren't able to save up enough to maybe get through a season like this. No doubt. I feel like on uh, the other side of that is um, we're going to start to see the sort of uh, players at the end of their careers who might have been kicking around for an extra year or two. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys. I think we saw the other day Steve Pierce said he, he's retired. And I feel like players of maybe the, Steve Pierce's caliber or in, uh, at that kind of part of the spectrum, because at, at this point, point of their careers these all these guys are like well i just got to get through the winter and i get to i get to spring training and as long as i stay in shape over the winter get to spring training and then the season starts and i'm good but now to be in limbo and as on the other side of it where maybe i don't need any more money 
right? I could just hang out and enjoy. Once this is over, then I could start to really enjoy uh, retirement. I, I wonder what, what kind of players and and what what the pressure is going to be like on those guys to just sort of not bother anymore and not not look a not look to come back. Yeah, I think that's. I hadn't actually thought about that. I want to you know, sort of say that up front. Like this is it is a new thought to me. But sure, we're going to probably see a lot of players who choose not who choose at this point to retire or who um you know who's what would this would have been their last season ends up you know not happening barely happening they get cut in whatever i I keep calling it spring training it's good chance it'll be summer training at that point but Mm -hmm. you know what i mean the the preseason how about that we call it the preseason a lot of players who might have gotten a last season or so in a typical year that's just not going to happen now and and we lose something we do. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think. Is there a player who's maybe entering his last season where it might have mattered maybe for a borderline Hall of Fame case? But that player probably exists. I'm just not thinking of him at the moment. But you could, I could absolutely see that happening. Somebody asked, what does it do to career totals for players if we lose 80 games or more potentially of this season? It's a thing. It's real. Mm-hmm. I understand it's not mm-hmm. the most important thing. Absolutely. It's the kind of thing we talk about and worry about when we get caught in our little baseball internet baseball bubble especially these are all real and i think that's absolutely going to be the case where a lot of a lot of careers have ended and we just actually haven't realized it yet <laughs> i feel like that uh, that we can we can class but this is behavioral science now we've we've dealt we've we've dove, dived into the pool the, the behavioral <laughs> science pool which is uh what we really brought you on here to talk about which is of course your new book uh, the inside game. Um, I'll just call it the inside game. I'm not going to get the whole subtitle. In there. That's I got, fine. That's I got enough. it there off the top. I got it there off the top. Uh, so, what can people tell? What can you tell people who who may uh, may not be familiar with this book, and perhaps you know, obviously read your work and have heard you on these podcasts and even read your first book? Uh, how this one seems like it's a little bit different. It is a little bit different. The first book was a straight baseball book and was very much material that I mean, I joke the first book just sort of fell out of my head. The second book, I actually had to work. I had to do some real research and additional reading and spend a lot of time wading through papers, uh, research papers in academic literature in sort of you know peer-reviewed journals to talk about concepts drawn from behavioral economics and cognitive psychology. What I try to do is use those concepts, particularly cognitive biases. This book's very much about cognitive biases and illusions. And use them to explain really bad decisions from baseball history and a few good ones. I talk about a few good ones at the end, one of which probably particularly relevant to this podcast. But I like to think that in the, in the ideal scenario, if I did my job with this book, it'll work both ways. If you're a baseball fan, you just want to read fun stories about bad baseball decisions. I give you a new lens with which to look at those decisions and understand why the decision makers made those mistakes that they did. But also, if you're somebody who has maybe a passing interest in what I refer to as thinking about thinking, the sort of process of decision-making and how we can do better, hopefully these baseball examples will help explain concepts like recency bias or outcome bias or moral hazard to folks who've barely seen them or never read about them before. I felt like maybe by writing a book where I used baseball examples to to explain those concepts, it would make them more accessible to a broader audience of people because baseball's kind of easy to understand. A lot of people come in, hopefully if you pick up the book, maybe you know something about baseball already. And you'd understand the decision, then I get to explain it in different terms. So I'm sort of sneakily teaching you about some of these economics concepts without lecturing or being overly dense or academic about it. That sounds really cool. So Again, without giving away too much, you said something that might be relevant to this podcast. Uh, care you to divulge? Because I, I, I have a, I have a place I'd like to go with this, but I want to I want to know a bit more about it before I do. Sure. Well, there's in, there is a chapter towards the end on good decisions, and where I talked mm-hmm. to decision makers about decisions they made that seemed somewhat counterintuitive at the time, and could have, in fact, been a function of any of these cognitive biases that I discussed. The first one, and I think my favorite example of all is the decision that Alex Anthopoulos made to give Jose Bautista a five-year contract <laughs> extension after he'd had one good year in the majors. Mm-hmm. And I was among many, many people, um, I'm not going to blame anybody else except myself, who said, dumb. But it turned out, obviously, the contract extension worked out brilliantly. And the Jays more than got their money's worth, I think, on that contract extension. So I contacted 
Alex, who I worked with in Toronto for a couple of years, said, can you just walk me through your your process? How did you, I mean, Alex knows what recency bias is. Mm -hmm. How did you convince yourselves that this was a worthwhile investment and that you were not simply falling for a one-year fluke? And he did walk me through that. There's a lot of detail in that particular section of that chapter. I believe it's it's the penultimate chapter of the book. Um, But what I found just so interesting about it was that he had such an evidence-based approach. So we, we were trying to gather all the evidence that we possibly could in multiple areas to prove to ourselves that it wasn't just a fluke. And even at the end, when they were signing the contract, there was still doubt. But he sort of phrased it as, we did everything we could. If you can get to the point of where you're actually making the decision and you've done all the things you could, you feel like we gathered all the information we possibly could. We we have done all the analysis we can with the information available to us. You can feel like your process was probably pretty sound. And if it doesn't work out, at least you know your process was sound. Because that's a big lesson from the entire book is that you have to change your process to get around these biases. You can't just change your brain Every human brain has been wired this way by thousands of years of evolution. This is just how we think. You have to change your process to not fall prey to these various biases. And I give Alex and his group in Toronto at the time a ton of credit because they did the work. They actually had, from his description, a process that allowed them to feel comfortable giving a five-year contract to a player who had been good for one year, and it worked out. See, that's really interesting. We've had Alex on this show, and, and he went through a lot of some, not probably, obviously not in the same kind of depth, but but uh, he told us a similar story just about going into that depth and really like, you know, they just didn't, they, they were like, well, they both were like, this could be crazy, but also like, we'd be crazy to let him go, kind of that same sort of idea. The, the thing that I, I'm thinking about here, and and I think it's, it's relevant to the Blue Jays, which is the kind of, uh, I don't know if influx or just, there are so many, sons of former big league players in, in that are like taking over baseball right now. <laughs> and, and I wonder if there's a bit of uh, it's, it's a different kind of information that would be processed now versus, I don't know, like 20 years ago, <laughs> because I, I was on this other uh, video show and we were talking about Brent Gretzky and how Brent Gretzky was like drafted in the third round by the Tampa Bay lightning. And he was like a, a high draft pick in junior hockey. Was and his my, dad, someone important, his brother, uh-huh. His brother is someone important. Ah, uh, okay. But and I, my thought thinking was back then they would have been like, ah, he's Gretzky. He's you know he's he's a Gretzky. He's, <laughs> he's good. So we draft him, and I feel like you know they would have used done almost had this made the same decision, but with a different type of of information. Where now, uh, not only are the are the the sons of all these big league players are are skilled and talented in, in an obvious way, but I, I wonder if there's any more weight given to it. Uh, you know, like he he. I don't know. He he's he's seen what it takes. There's there's a different level of appreciation. The whole not just like the growing up among the game, but like showing a level of emotional intelligence, perhaps that it, that is born of ex, uh, exposure to baseball on a level that most people don't get. Um, maybe am I am I barking up the wrong tree here? This is just kind of where my as you're talking about this, that's sort of the, the two sides of that same thinking that I'm getting to. Uh, it's a complicated question. It's a good question. It's a complicated one where, you know, I think there's, we probably simultaneously over and underestimate the benefits of, um, of the player who's the son of, or I guess brother of cousin, nephew of whatever mm-hmm. former big leaguer. Um, uh, I, mean, I, I can think of players I was around during my short tenure with the blue Jays from like, your dad played in the big leagues. Really? Um, <laughs> And yet there are others where it's just they seem to have this sort of preternatural feel for the game, that sort of nebulous instincts where you see it. It's like, God, he just – he knows what to do. He knows where to be, where um, – you have guys like Bo Bichette who's nothing like his dad. His dad was obviously a competent big leaguer for a while. His mm-hmm. older brother was terrible. Um, his older brother had a disastrous swing and couldn't play his assigned position of third base. And then Bo comes along and his swing's totally different. He plays like his hair's on fire all the time. And it totally works. Absolutely works. He's got the he's much faster than his dad. He's got better bat speed. He's a better athlete. Um, he's capable of playing the infield. His dad couldn't do any of those things. But the only mm-hmm. thing he really has in common with his dad is great hair. So, <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I struggle with that sometimes. I really, I will, I guess the best answer I can give you on anything related to this is that 
when I'm doing draft or prospect ranks, particularly draft rank is where it really comes up. I don't give a guy any credit or dock him at all, obviously, for having a famous relative in the big leagues. But I will tell you about it because I think it's interesting and inherently kind of important, just so you know. Also, because I'll get asked a billion times if somebody (laughs) just has the same last name as a big leaguer. Well, is he related to Joe Smith? Yes, all Smiths are related, absolutely, yeah. 100%. But like, like, your, I think like your, your, grown, your, your large adult son, Derek Law. My large adult son, Derek Law. Is he still in the organization? <laughs> he was, right? I think he's, is he he's with not, the Rangers now. I think, I think so. he's with he, Texas now. Yeah. Poor, poor Derek. We're still very proud of him. I just want to make that clear. Um, even though he was conceived when I was 15 years old and he's a foot taller than I am. Yes, that's my large adult son. That joke will never, ever get old for me. Um, no, I think it's just important to note but I will say, like, if you look at my draft rankings, I don't I don't really take that into consideration. I don't boost guys for that because I think it can kind of cut both ways. I mm-hmm. think there are guys who are certainly better because of it, because they grew up around baseball, grew up in clubhouses. I think there are some guys who, for whatever reason, it just didn't take, the lessons didn't soak in. Maybe they grew up a little privileged and didn't work as hard. I, I don't know what the reasons are, but it, it doesn't affect, it doesn't land on all science of baseball heroes the same way. Yeah, I definitely think it, it um, I feel like it, I, my my impression of it, just from this conversation and kind of how I, I, I've been thinking about it on my own, was that it would have been like a bad piece of information that they would have taken in before. Whereas I'm like, ah, he's, like, he's got the, he knows the game. He grew up around the game. And that was like all right. the information that they needed. And they were like, oh, draft him. He'll be great. And look at his dad. He's a hell of a ball player. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that, I think that still happens. I think yeah. there's probably a subconscious bias that's happening. It may not be as explicit, but it's sort of, eh, boost him up. Yeah, his dad played in the big league. Oh, his dad was a good guy. I know his dad. His dad. I played with his dad. Mm. I remember him when he was eight years old. Do those things happen? Probably. I doubt it's as potent as it was 20 or 30 years ago because, of course, you think about, God, 20 years ago, I was, I was with the Blue Jays 18 years ago in the draft room. I think of the paucity of information we had then relative to what's available now. And I think we were probably grateful to get any kind of data. And that is data. It just may not be useful data. Mm-hmm. That is data. We were grateful to get anything we could at that point. And so um, I could imagine, I don't really remember coming up that much in our draft rooms, but if you told me it came up in some draft rooms and was seriously weighted, I would believe it. Maybe it was, and I'm, I'm just not remembering that well. That's all good. I appreciate you your patience taking my these weird random questions that I'm putting oh, up on the fly here. <laughs> hey, at least you're not asking me about coronavirus, which is what I've been asked about 8 billion times this week because I'm apparently a public health expert. Aren't we all? I, I've, I've, I'm, I, I'm a self-positioned public health expert because I, I do so, uh, social media for a public health uh, body. So because the messages travel through me. I am I a am public now. health expert because I have the internet. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have the internet, you can order the Inside Game. It came out just this last week. And of course, you can subscribe to The Athletic and read Keith Law's every word. You can read excerpts from his book. You can read uh, the cool series that he's doing with Eno Saris, who's a friend of ours, describing the five uh, the five tools and some uh, stouts, uh, stats and through the eyes of scouts. Uh, Keith, anything else people need to know? Again, they, there's so much of your stuff out there. Tell them where they can get it. So if you want the book, um, since you can't go to a bookstore, but if you want to support an independent bookstore, at least in the United States, you can go to bookshop.org, uh, which is a fantastic site that supports independent bookstores, um, either sources directly from them or just they give a portion of their proceeds to indie stores. You could read all my baseball contact content at The Athletic. I actually did a Q&A, my first Q&A on The Athletic site. I did that this week. We talked a little bit about the book, the draft. There was a Top Chef question. There was a sous vide question. There were board game questions. Of course, there were board game questions. Um, and I'm still doing my board game reviews over at Paste. Uh, every couple, of, usually every two weeks, review a new board game. I am home. I'm actually not playing as many board games as I wanted to. It turns out homeschooling or at least aiding and abetting homeschooling takes a lot of time. Then it gets to be nine o'clock. It's like, I need a drink and let's just watch a movie instead because I'm tired. But uh, that aside, I would also say if you just want to follow more of my nonsense, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Law or on Facebook at Keith Law Writer. Amazing. Thank you so much, Keith. We really appreciate you taking the time well, to chat you with so us. Much. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. 
Coming up on Bears All Day, we're going to talk about the Red Sox scandal, the punishment coming down, and we're going to talk about the KBO going ahead with their season. But before we do that, let's talk about the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo, for the big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in that frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. So if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code JAYS. That's theblacktux.com, code JAYS, for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. All right, so that was so awesome. Uh, again, go and check out Keith Law's book, The Inside Game. Get it from your local bookseller. I'm sure that if you have the ability to uh, do curbside pickup at the place in your town, they would be appreciative. And I know Keith would be appreciative too, as he shouted out uh, all the indie booksellers across his country and the one that we live in as well. But, Stoughton, the baseball world continues to roll in that the Red Sox get a lucky break. I don't know if that's even fair to say. Uh, we could talk a little, I don't know, we could talk about the Red Sox. They got nailed for cheating and they lost uh, not a lot. I don't think, I think it's fair to say that they, it definitely feels light, feels even lighter than the Astros. Yeah. Well, the Astros didn't lose a lot either, really. And yet somehow the Red Sox lost less. Yeah, it's almost like there's some sort of, I want to say incentive for the league to not like throw the hammer down on these teams. Yeah, what well, what would that incentive be? That they would then expose the entire game as a fraud, and that the, the system is corrupt, and nothing means anything. A little bit. I mean, and you know what? Uh, no better time to do that. I mean, we there have been a lot of systems that have been exposed as frauds and meaningless over these last few weeks. Why not throw MLB onto the pile as well? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I have only I, I'm not as as acquainted with the story. I've been trying to avoid, you know. Everything except the cats out my window. <laughs> but so, so forgive me if I if I've lost some of the nuance. But it does seem a little bit to me like uh, the idea that the replay coordinator guy was like the lone wolf who was who 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 must be punished, but otherwise perfectly clean operation going on over there. Uh, I feel that it strains the the, the credulity of. Uh, you know the whole thing the competitive nature of the game yeah you know i don't i don't know i don't know what 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 would you say to that i don't know i i I definitely think it's it does not reflect well when the when the league was like hey 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 don't do this and the red sox were like oh we're gonna do that we're definitely gonna do that and uh (laughs) and cheated now and and especially i think i would like especially when like the astros we have learned you know, through the investigation and through like the, some of the great work that Evan Drellich, Ken, Ken Rosenthal have done, uh, you know, uh, pulling at that thread where it's like, oh, the, the, the GM didn't pass along the memo that would have, you know, incriminated everybody if they'd known. And it's like, you know, they, they very conveniently sort of found places where where the, the trail has to end. Uh, it makes you sort of suspicious of of just at the outcome of any of these investigations i think i i don't i wonder i wonder what it's going to mean going forward now people have, are taking pretty extreme stances or 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 
I think we'll, I think we're all kind of, it seems like baseball does it, the baseball in the league and Rob Manford and all of the competing interests involved in all of these situations doesn't really earn them the benefit of the doubt. So there's a lot of like assumption of bad faith, which is uh, totally warranted. I think, I don't think that there's any, like I, if I, I thought maybe, maybe I can like twist myself into Nazi and be like, well, that's fine. Then what they're doing isn't so bad. I don't think that they're, but I, I don't know. There's not really any cover. I mean, yeah, the, the the only thing that I, I think that's going to come out of all of this is at least um, putting a public, putting it in public, airing it out, and allowing people within the game to to if any if nothing else then at least posture as to say like this is bad and we're not going to do this and like giving the 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 sense of integrity. Uh, from those who cho- choose to to yap about it more than anything, uh, and then I guess yeah, I don't know. I guess that's really it. So hopefully, it, it by having a, a more open conversation about it, people will be like, okay, we, you know, this is really an unpopular thing, and we shouldn't do this, uh, or it's not, or, or it's all lip service, <laughs> right. and I'm being completely naive. I don't know. Well, I mean, players have changed teams. You know, Mike Fires, obviously the 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 key one in this whole situation. Uh, at least as far as the Astros are concerned, uh, plenty of players have left teams that have now been punished doing those sorts of things uh, and not said a damn word. And, you know, I think we've heard whispers of these sorts of clandestine efforts to steal signs. I, li- I like that you, when, when it first came out in the before times, uh, you refer to it as like industrial espionage or espionage of some sort, you know, which is, which is, a, I think, a much more serious sounding and apt phrase than sign stealing or whatever it is. Because sign stealing is fine if you're on second base or mm-hmm. you pick up a pitcher's tell. That's not a problem. This is not what that is. Uh, and you know, obviously, there there has been an element in this. We've heard about this for years. We remember the the man in white scandal where it's like. Every team's doing a form of of it, or maybe not to the degree that these teams were, or I don't even I don't even know exactly what it was Boston was doing, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh but it it, it you know, I, I don't think that, that having an having it open to be talked about now uh is is really it means anything because the they've uh, because they're not going to talk about it. They've proven that they're not going to talk about it by not talking about it until, you know, compelled to the point that we've seen, you know, in the, the way that it's, it's, it's sort of devolved from the, the suspensions and, and the league having to do something about it. I think that the, the more I read about it, I think that this Red Sox thing is, is bad, but the Astros thing is worse. Yeah. I don't want to equate them because again, I didn't read the report yet. So the Red Sox <laughs> thing, well, it, it, it's the, the idea of the Apple Watch. So they were using video to decipher the signs that then they would kind of break them down and be like, this is the indicator uh, when, when there's someone on base. This is the indicator. And then this is the, you know, that which means that this will be the, the pitch. So then it would be like they would watch, figure it out, relay it to the guy in the dugout who would then relay it and or or you know, they would use that information. And then when someone be on second base, then they would, with the knowledge of having already deciphered the signs, then they could uh, relay it to the batter. So it was, uh, to me, it's, it's, it, it, it's definitely, is it, it's wrong, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm, maybe what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there's a, there are other elements to it because I don't think that there's anything, there's, there's nothing in the rules that says you can't, if say you want to do your homework, and like, let's study. And because well, these are not the, the, as the most sophisticated setups in the world. Like, okay, when I, when we get a guy on second base, we'll go to the secondary signs, which is like the you know two fingers is the indicator, and then whatever comes after that is is one off the, the the pitch I want you to throw. Whatever it is, if someone's just paying attention to old game tape, they can probably figure that out. So, but this seems this one because it's because it's going through and being even if it is being deciphered by a non-uniformed member of the organization it's still then filtered through the people on the field and it requires it, it, if nothing else it requires somebody to get all the hell get the hell on second base uh to, to be able to like then take that information and relay it but that definitely does change the nature of it compared to what the astros were doing yes 
but it's I don't know. I I do think that I think that that again that what I said before is true. That that having people have maybe more open conversations about it and having people express a lack a discomfort with it, maybe it will have result in a change in culture within the game of baseball itself. The other side of it okay, is yeah. understanding the way that the video replay and the video systems have been exploited, hopefully will allow to be a change within that system as well, which sucks no matter how you look at it. And maybe they can just scrap stupid video replay and just pretend, go back to pretending like it, it was, they can scrap the, the, the f- false idea of accuracy that is granted by video replay and just scrap the whole thing and be like, and, and scrap the challenges and just let the umpires decide if they want to, if they want to take another look at something. I don't know. But if there are, I, if- I mean, that's, a, that's a great, that's a nice idea though. I mean, there was a reason why we wanted that instituted in the first place, you know, and I understand, you know, obviously the umpires don't like being second guessed by the TV cameras and that was an issue, but, but you know, yeah, you hate, you don't want to have an Armando Galarraga situation where it's like, well, we could have fixed that. It did seem wrong, but we, and we can see it all now. But you know, you don't. I, I don't think that the we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, is I guess what I'm saying. I'm, I I could still find a place for me for for replay of things. Uh, but yeah, this the, the system that is, that is currently in place uh, needs to be tightened up. Obviously, here's my huge take. Big, big, okay. big take. In the long run, Armando Galarraga will benefit more from the blown <laughs> save, from the blown call, than he would have from the perfect game. Well. Do you remember the, na- the name of the guy that threw? I, it might have been the most recent perfect game in baseball. No, I certainly do not. There's but, a you know, you know, but you know who does? That guy. <laughs> <laughs> But in terms of like knowing what he accomplished and knowing how things went, Armando Galarraga knows what he did. Everybody knows that he pitched a perfect game and there was a blown call. What we don't know is the name of the guy who's uh, I can't even remember. I think he was playing for the Rays, maybe, or was it for Seattle against the Rays? So no, that uh, was Tom. Tom Browning. Tom Browning. That was that was. Uh, I do remember that. <laughs> Nineteen ninety one. I'm I'm having I'm literally I can hear you I can hear your uh, Phil Humber. typing right now. Phil Humber. Oh, really? Yeah. Phil Humber is That's out fun. of baseball. He pitched a perfect game and I and he'll no one will ever take away that take that away from him, but he is significantly less famous and recognizable than Armando Galarraga because of the blown call, which isn't to say that that's the right or wrong way. The, I mean, that's right or wrong, but famous famous and recognizable to whom? I mean, our little bubble of internet baseball people, I suppose. Yeah, you think more people? I don't know. know, who, I, don't know if the, I don't know if Armando's doing it for us, doing it for notoriety among the ghouls on Twitter. Oh, that, yeah, Phil Humber. Phil Humber, when he spent like half a season playing for the Kia Tigers in the KBL KBO back in the day, he was definitely like just soaking up the notoriety of throwing up. He and he and and Dallas Braden just together on the the mountain of perfection. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know the Red well, Sox thing. I, I hope I hope Alex Rodriguez did not run across that mountain of Dallas Braden. Dallas Braden is from uh, Stockton, right? Like you don't fuck with that. So they, you know, that's <laughs> that, that you have to color that that background of Dallas Braden. So in the end, the Red Sox scandal thing, uh, they they've kind of thrown the book at this who they've deemed as the mastermind. And it's yeah, pretty small book, but okay. it's a pretty small book. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> fucked that guy's life up pretty good. He's not allowed to go back wow. to do that role again. Shit. Uh, when he after he sets out his full season suspension for the season, that's not going to happen. But uh, and Joey Cora, um, no, no, no still, supplementary. It's still Alex Cora. Alex still Cora. Alex Fuck. Cora. Joey yeah. Cora. I I have him in my head. He's a he was a better ball yeah, player. Yeah, I believe was he the last out of Dave Steve's no hitter. That's a good question. Not yeah. a perfect game. I, I I think he was on that team actually, but. Uh... Uh, in any event, I don't know. That's it. That is the Red Sox scandal. We have covered it exhaustively. We have been in there in the trenches. You now, you now know everything about you it. You know everything there is to know. <laughs> a guy figured out the signs. He used his watch, told another guy. He told the guy in second base. He told the batter. The batter was like, oh, curveball. Okay. And then if it was in the zone, he would hit it or spin on it. God only knows. Uh, cheating. Definitely cheating. The game has been cheated. I, 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 I'm going to say this. I think there's a little bit of like, 
I think some of the 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 they've cheated the game from from otherwise um, level-headed writers who's kind of gone a little bit too far. They're like, nothing matters. You can't cheat. Like, eh, this this isn't that bad. That, that's my my take is like, whatever. This this isn't that bad. The Astro thing, bad. This, eh, eh, eh. I, I get I get that. I mean, I am I I am I am I'm guilty of being ambivalent to cheating at many times in my in my career as a commentator about baseball, you know, coming through the steroid era and stuff, because that was such a specific thing. But I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm thinking about it. Like it's white collar crime and that we're, that we're conditioned to just like, Oh yeah, that's just what those assholes do. And it's like, no, that doesn't make it any less right or, or, or to say any less wrong, which it is. And, and, you know, fuck it. I think that you're right though. And the, the white collar crime story from a few years ago, that one we don't talk about enough. The uh, the the Astros uh, and Cardinals young players, thing. the young players. Oh, that as well. Yeah, yeah. That was a uh, that was interesting as well. I, I, I was going. It's weird. You could point to a number of of horrible things that have gone on because I was going to say I thought you were talking about. Uh, you know the underage Dominicans and and kids in Latin America. Who, well, there's uh, that. But, who get who get these handshake deals signed with them, and and that's all against the rules. But you know the rules are the rules are made to be bent. It turns out for the big league baseball clubs, it ain't right. It ain't that, right that the Cardinals like literally it. hacked the system of the Astros. That's pretty messed up. I don't think we we talk about that quite enough. But it was the Cardinals, so everyone was like, well, yeah, they do bad things. Um, <laughs> but the other thing, you can say that of every team. Like, there's no, there's no virtuous baseball team. There's no team there really that's, isn't. Like, that you could be like, wow, they really let me down. Even the team that's, like, hyper-religious. Like, they, they would probably do some weird, bad stuff in their own right. We spoke about Phil Humber, who played in the KBO. And now we're talking about the, the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, is going to play some ball games there in Korea. Which is uh, feels very very far away from here right now. Uh, well, several thousand kilometers at least. Well, or, or the idea of playing <laughs> seems far from here. <laughs> yes, I, I know. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Honestly, but no, you're right, and it, it, it's it's incredible to see the progress that they're making. So Korea has done incredible work. Uh, we talked with. Um, Daniel Kim. Daniel Kim the other night, yeah. About uh, his experience going through uh, Korea, which was, of course, hit hard early in, on in the in COVID-19 crisis, uh, but has come so far due to a very hyper-aggressive and effective testing and contact tracing campaign, which uh, we here in North America do not appear up to the task at the moment of, of getting that kind of, of either testing, uh, testing and contact tracing together. It's going to take a lot of... Um, People power and a lot of uh, uh, work to 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 execute all of that public health work. Um, doesn't seem like it's really in a, we're really in a position to to expect that here in North America, but in Korea uh, they're way better off uh, so far because having moved aggressively with this level of, of contact tracing and and, and testing and, and COVID nineteen testing, uh, such that they you know a lot in a lot of aspects of life are are much closer to being back to normal. Um, I was on a Zoom call. One of my one of my dear friends. He lives in uh, in Jeju Island, off the south southern end of of Korea. And he was like, "Yeah, life's pretty much the same." He goes. He and his family they go to restaurants. They can go out. Um, he goes to work, but the kids aren't in school. So the funny thing for me is that he's a teacher. So they make him go into the school <laughs> and like put on a tie and sit down at his desk in the classroom, but then teach to the computer that's sitting like a foot and a half in front of his face. And all the kids are at home on their computers, hating every second of it. But uh, part of that, part of that progress, part of that um, ability to um, to track and at least understand. Again, there's no there's no cures, there's nothing like that. But uh, the work that has been done to to, to quarantine and to, uh, as I keep saying, contact trace has left them in a position to play baseball. So maybe is that hope? Is that like a light at the end of the tunnel if for for those of us here in uh, North America? What do you think? Uh, you know, yeah, I absolutely think. I mean, it's. It's nice that, uh, you know, so if we so choose, we can watch baseball from over there. And, and that is something that, I mean, this is completely unimportant and a total tangent, but I've 
and I'm sure you have as well thought for years, you know what, you put some, you put some KBO games on, you put some MPB games on, uh, people will watch them like that. that, that I think that's, you know, that's just a way to market the game that is you know, separate from the COVID and the pandemic and all of that. Uh, I think it is light at the end of the tunnel a bit, but as you say, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the jurisdictional like <laughs> factionalism is like over there. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a smaller physical space, a smaller physical country, you know, and, and it's that that's obviously been a hindrance to the way the that that we've responded here in North America because there are layers of government and uh, jurisdictions that have you know oversight over a particular territory and ones that are bigger and 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 coordinating all of that response has been difficult i think especially because some are uh <laughs> less on less on the page of listening to public health experts than others <laughs> uh and i think that that's going to obviously have cascading uh detriments to everybody that uh that those people will sadly probably never accept the, their role in but uh but yeah it, it's uh MLB seems to be very uh insistent or or you keep not insistent because they're not they're stumping every day but you, we keep hearing the proposals there was the weird Arizona plan there was a, an Arizona Florida plan and and there's just so much money at stake and it's not just the teams but it's their tv partners which are owned by conglomerates which you know are relying on these you know to filling content with actual watchable you know programming hours to increase ad rates to increase share price and you know this whole complicated system you know there's there is a there are a lot of moneyed interests at stake uh in or or, or not at stake but it, it, the, that want to make sure a season happens to want to push this uh whether or not it's you know the in the interest of the public health or not and you know we keep seeing that and we keep seeing these like sort of trial balloons getting floated like well maybe we'll do this and maybe we'll uh you know i know that in germany they're they're you know they're they're i think better equipped or handling things quite well over there compared to where we are but but like the bundesliga and soccer is that that's starting to sort of move in the direction of happening. Uh, I think it's going to be a long time here. And I know that you're not you from, from not even day one, you from like two weeks before this all happened. We're like, I think shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not funny, but it's like, I don't know. We're in the situation we're in. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully they can figure it out. But more hopefully is that, whatever they figure out and decide to actually implement is done in a safe way that doesn't make this whole situation worse. Like that's the, you know, that's the prime imperative. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, that it, it is so important to walk before we run, uh, you know, as a as a society, as our Western society here. <laughs> and like, just, you know, it's, it's, all of our the physical distancing and the staying at home and all this stuff is is out is a, at risk of being a victim of its own success uh because as, as people as the cases start mm -hmm, to drop mm -hmm. and people start to um uh not you know we're just not adding as many people on a day-to-day -day basis uh people are like, well this is stupid we didn't need to do this i didn't get it every i don't know anyone who's 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 got it well that's obviously probably going to change but uh if we go too early, if we loosen loosen the reins, so to speak, or if we get uh, sloppy, or especially when the weather starts to improve around here, it's going to be really tough to try to convince people to do the things that they need to do. But uh, the worst it's thing a, that it's could a happen, lot easier. It's a lot easier in early April than it's going to be in June. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, to keep people in the house, and and I think that's also part of the, the reason that we need to the vigilance needs to remain high, such that if we don't start to like open things up and 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 um look at look at this in terms of a, a, a an epidemic or a, this pandemic that's starting to get under control and then and then lose control excuse me lose control again and then have to come back and not have something to look forward to because coming back after if it's two months or or, or eight weeks or ten weeks or whatever however much time it is that we spend um in our homes to come go out for two weeks and then be now facing ten more weeks back locked away 
while it's it's important to maintain the perspective like I'm healthy, I'm not in a hospital, I'm not going to have reduced, you know, uh, uh, heart function for the next 10 years of my life uh, and some of the other side effects that people maybe don't talk about as much when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, the idea of sitting at home for 12, you know, another 10 weeks after already having done it for 10 weeks sucks. Nobody wants to do that. But so little by little, hopefully it's something that we can um, work toward and, and with public health always remaining the first, second and third priority. Um, it is interesting that there's some stories that came out today about, so the KBO is is playing it and you start, you were talking about ad rights and ad dollars. So with the KBO moving ahead, I believe it says May 5th is going to be the, their opening day this uh, for this season. Uh, they're going to be broadcasting, of course, uh, broadcasting these games on television, but there'll be no fans in attendance, uh, but they're still playing. So then with them playing, there was some interest apparently from ESPN in broadcasting these games uh, because it's like live bodies playing sports. So ESPN was like, hey, maybe <laughs> yeah. we can put that on our network. But then apparently the deal broke down because ESPN didn't want to pay for it, which uh, this sucks, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> but it, when you think about it, uh, so there was people were like, well, ESPN didn't want to pay and they only wanted to go on a month month to month basis so that. If in the event that like stuff here starts up again, they can just drop KBO and not have to worry about it anymore. So it's it, ESPN doesn't look good in that light, asking for something for nothing. Um, but at the same time, realistically, what is the KBO broadcast worth to ESPN? Where it's like, here are guys playing in empty stadiums on the other side of the world where they you might some fans might know one player on both teams' names. Um, like that's low quality programming for their audience you know because they they can only draft nfl players once there's only so much nfl draft breakdown they can fit into a day but uh uh i think that they may challenge that notion (laughs) i think there is quite a lot of nfl draft breakdown they can fit into a day but go on go on so yeah i just it's it's (laughs) that's an interesting wrinkle but i i think without saying i get where espn is coming from i get where espn is coming from like that this is as close to worthless as as can be it's 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 it is the it is a live body playing baseball yeah they They should kind of be doing doing, but but they would be kind of doing a service to the like to those leagues those leagues should also want to be like, oh wait, like a captive North North American audience of baseball fans, like even how small it is, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier about you know the bubble of Armando Galarraga fan, like people who understand that <laughs> versus you know it, it, like it, I'm sure it is not a lucrative segment of the market. Otherwise, it would be it would be much more paid attention to, but uh, but it, it but it is a shame that they can't. But also, I think they kind of you. You could. They're showing it on Twitter, or they're showing it in, in ways where you don't need traditional distribution. True, those are like intra-squad like workouts as much as anything. But oh, we're not going to be able to see the real game. I don't think so. Um, it is also worth noting that for as far as ESPN's interest in this is uh, the the games are played in a uh, thirteen hours ahead time zone. So it's like, oh, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> we've got them going live at six a.m. Here we go. It's the 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 Wednesday night between the LG Twins and the Doosan Bears. Play in the yeah. same stadium. Now there's it's nobody like, in it. It's it's like hardcore gambler kind of shit for sure. Which you know I admire. <laughs> I admire the hustle. Uh, I don't think we need to go on any longer. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this is about enough. No, there's uh, not really I mean, any Blue Jays yeah. news. Uh, you know, every so often Mark Shapiro pops his head up, or or Ross Atkins. Uh, there was a cool story that John Lott did with uh, John Lannon, who is um, was a quality was great, yeah. quality control. Uh, What's his title? I believe quality control coach, yeah. Quality control coach. And John Landon, of course, pitched uh, for the Nationals for a long time. Uh, it's a cool story. John Lott wrote it, so you know it's good. So I would uh, – that's about it. That's, that, that is what's, what we're, you and I are now passing off as Blue Jays news. John, Lan- John Lott wrote an interesting story. Breaking. News at 11. Get uh, hot takes coming up. But uh, but I, I think mean, that's we can it. Fill, we can fill every week with John Lott wrote an interesting story. So, yeah. From now on, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be us orating. <laughs> I'm going to read a John Lott story. Uh, one after another. That's okay. You know what? We got to take that to the higher ups. Let's do. Let's do some audio. Like, we'll just read the stories on Twitch. I'll go on Twitch again, and I'll I'll get myself in like a like a fancy robe. And I'll sit in a, an ornate chair, maybe near a fire, and I will read. Uh, I'll read John Lott stories. I think that sounds like a great idea. I don't, have you Have you never wanted to take a walk to the grocery store? There's an article you'd like to read, and you you know it's like. Uh, I think Autumn does that. You'll see it on like New Yorker articles and 
and uh, the Atlantic and, you know, uh, just just complete complete trash uh, <laughs> centrist weirdo publications like that <laughs> uh, but but I do occasionally use it, it it's nice it's nice to have a story read to you like a, like a, in article format as a you know the audiobook concept just in shorter form I think uh, I think I think I cannot think of two people with better voices for reading those stories than you or I I think that uh, the people want to hear me drone on <laughs> Uh, I, I reading John John Lott's prose. I feel that that would be, you know, this is a lucrative idea. We'll have to talk about this off air. We're just throwing money out the uh, window by really giving nailed. this away for yeah, free. I, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I would admit I have not listened to a single audiobook in all my life. Um, but I listened to a clip. Somebody shared a clip from Andre Iguodala's book, where it was like a story about him, uh, him, him telling a story about him. He and Clay Thompson involved in some on court shenanigans and i found it very i found it very humorous it was a funny story but it was also funny to hear it read in andre iguodala's voice which is uh it's got a good voice the only audiobooks that i have personally it's been actually relatively new to me i don't really i'm not an audiobook guy i do sometimes like the articles mm-hmm. you know you'll see there'll be an autumn i think that's the app uh, link will pop up because i can you know i can listen to somebody read a, an article i wouldn't otherwise read because reading is a chore, but listening, listening's easy. That's really <laughs> that's my life lesson for the day. But no, the one like the, like an, like an oral history, I think is it works well in audiobook format. Like I wouldn't want to listen. I wouldn't want to read like you know or read quote unquote like Cormac MacArthur. I wouldn't want to read like a like like a real book. I wouldn't want to have that spoken to me. Mm-hmm. But if it's an oral history, then then sure, giddy up. I think one thing that's good to read aloud is uh, va- uh, the first paragraph of a really overwritten uh, feature, <laughs> and, re- and read it, gave it away. into a you vine. Gave it away. Read it in a yeah. six-second video <laughs> format. I think that is uh, that is the, the ultimate. That is the pinnacle of uh, of online entertainment. This has been uh, the as close to the pinnacle of online entertainment as one could ever hope to get. Uh, as we mentioned before, make sure you subscribe to the show, subscribe to uh, the podcast, and if you hit theathletic.com slash birds all day, you can subscribe to The Athletic at 40% off. You can go and find and order Keith Law's book. You can read Stoughton, who remembers guys. Yeah, at My Second Empire. <laughs> we changed it. It's not that anymore. <laughs> Um, I was on actually. On the, speaking of remembering guys, Productive Outs does like a video show where we remember guys. We like pull old cards out, old school player of the week. So you could yeah. find Productive Outs uh, YouTube channel and uh, watch that. It, it was actually a ton of fun. I, we had a lot of fun. I made a lot of we made a lot of jokes and had a lot of laughs. So go and check that out. And uh, until next time, his name is Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you again on Birds All Day. <laughs>